Welcome, witches, wizards, and everyone in between to the Hogwarts University podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Courtney. We just want to thank you all so much for the um, engagement and encouragement we've received so far. It has been awesome to hear from all of you, and we are just so excited to be starting this journey with you guys. Oh my gosh, we're so excited. This is like ultimate nerd out for me like research is just me like literally doing my the absolute most in in just harry potter deep dives it's so much fun absolutely so courtney do you have anything that we want to go over today before we dive in yeah so actually i talked to you about the (laughs) dumbledore comic where he just drops harry on the doorstep classic Um, I in week one, chapter one, and I said that was by the girl who does my life as background Slytherin. It's actually from a Tumblr account with the most intense name of all time. Okay, I'm ready. And I have it out. Tell me if you can just hear this on my mic. annihilation. Oh my goodness. That's so, her, tum- or their Tumblr name? That's their Tumblr name. They also have an Instagram that's just the front part. It's like the Floxenausi part, um, which we follow on Instagram. So if you go to our Instagram and look in our followers and just type in F-L-O-C-C-I, you will find them. They are hilarious. Um, and I, but I am still working on pronouncing their uh, handle because it's it's literally like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Like it's that many letters. <laughs> Does it have a definition? Like, can you piece root words in there somehow? It has a literal it... definition. According okay. to Oxford languages, it is the action or habit of estimating something as worthless. <laughs> so, well, whoever you are out there. I hope you don't actually feel flaxenoxomniification. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, but so shout out to that person because they make amazing comics. And sorry I got it wrong. But also shout out to my life as a background Slytherin because they also make amazing comics. So I'll... That's one of the best things about the Harry Potter community is so many people have been able to share their talent in ways that might have gone undiscovered otherwise but they've just been really able to shine yeah i i love a good harry potter comic that's just like a a well-humored critique (laughs) yes exactly so today we are going into chapter three courtney you want to tell us a little bit about it yeah so chapter three essentially is um where we just watch vernon dursley slowly unravel so (laughs) essentially what happens (laughs) this is all this is all the letters are in this chapter so we start off with harry on the summer holiday receiving his first letter that immediately gets taken by uncle vernon and Aunt Petunia, and then they're, like, freaking out, but uh, Dudley and Harry don't know why. And then as the days continue on, the ways letters get into the house becomes more and more aggressive um, and creative, I would say. 
until Vernon like literally starts pulling out his mustache hair. Yeah. And and they like leave. And he's trying to find somewhere that where they won't be found. So the first time they're in like a dingy little hotel, but he still gets like a literal sack of letters. So then Uncle Vernon finally finds <laughs> that shack out in out on the sea. And they hold down there for the night. And at the very end of the chapter, it becomes Harry's birthday. And then there's that loud noise at the door. And that's where we end. Oh, it just gives me goosebumps. The suspense at the end of the chapter. What is going to happen? I know. I think so. My dad read these books to us as like bedtime stories when we were little, my sister and I. And Mm -hmm. I bet you a million dollars he ended the night. by not continuing on to chapter four which amazing because of the suspense but also no offense Mr. Skeebout but parenting wise I feel like that's just a really great way to rev up your kids and not get them to sleep that <laughs> that's night. probably true he might not have been given a choice <laughs> <laughs> yeah I can't imagine just being like okay I'll, I'll get all tucked into bed now, now that I'm literally on the edge of my seat. Yeah, now that I'm literally lit. <laughs> um, all right, so we will take a quick break, and then we'll head on into our topic today for Chapter 3. Boom. We are back. So, Alex, what did you choose for your deep dive this week into chapter three? Great question, Courtney. Um, This isn't the most content heavy chapter. Yeah, retweet. Yeah. (laughs) This and chapter four, I was like, (laughs) I definitely, yeah, had that same issue. And I think it'll kind of be that way for a little while. So listeners, you are, be best for bearing with us. But I think that today is actually going to be fun because instead of just straight me lecturing at you, you know, that very direct classroom style, today is going to be kind of like a roundtable discussion. Maybe oh, even a yeah. Socratic seminar, if you will. Oh my Getting God. into college terms. I bet you I heard that term more in high school humanities <laughs> oh yeah big shout out to anybody who did the ib program oh yeah love you survive guys. that with us oh. um so i wanted to discuss today some of the methods of magical communication in harry potter Ooh. and why on earth they would choose to communicate with the dursleys the way that they did because it just okay. did not seem practical at all. This is this is actually this is going to be a very nice synthesis. Um, can I give away what chapter four is for you? Sure. Chapter four is a deep dive into the five major owl species that we see in wow. Harry Potter. I am I literally came so close to doing that. So I'm really glad that I didn't. I I actually thought about that. I was like, we might see what Alex does. <laughs> there's so few like overarching themes to dive into in these books because we get I mean, we get a lot of information about like Harry's life and Harry's history, but like not a lot of things in the magical world are yet 
becoming known. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, one of the big things is that owls keep dropping off mail. And like, we watch, we see Hagrid sending the first owl in chapter four. So I was like, this might be, we're, we're going to see. <laughs> yes. Um, so good teamwork. It'll flow really nicely together. But Boom. I, I wanted to start out with kind of just an open question slash rant. So we have been told, and unfortunately I don't remember where we learned this, but it is somewhere within extended canon, not within the books, but I think JK herself has said somewhere. That, probably. Yeah, probably, honestly. <laughs> that Muggleborns are hand-delivered their letter when they turn 11 by a Hogwarts faculty. Yes, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I would imagine McGonagall, but I guess apparently also Hagrid does those things. Oh my god, no, really? I mean, he does for Harry. Well, okay, fair. I Um, I hope he doesn't do it for everybody. (laughs) Right. Um, I just wanted to know, why was this not an option for Harry and the Dursleys? Because let's imagine for a moment a world where the Dursleys are fully accepting of Harry's magical abilities. But they have been given no way to contact the magical world besides this one or two shady letters that Dumbledore has left them over time. So they get their letter, they're reading it, they're excited for Harry in this alternative universe. How do they get any of the magical supplies? They don't know how to go to Diagon Alley. That's very true. Yeah. I hmm. I see what you mean. I also just realized there is a sort of plot hole that now I'm sad about. Mrs. Fig knows who Harry is. Right. From the onset. So Hagrid comes to the shack on the rock on the, in the sea or whatever and doesn't know that Harry doesn't know anything. Like he th- finds that to be a surprise. And I'm like, is she like bad at reporting back because she knows why would he be surprised like they should know what what he's going through based off of her literally being in little whinging right for that well for partly at least that reason i don't know my i guess way to kind of fill the plot hole and how well it fills it i don't know is that maybe she assumes harry knows and she also assumes that Harry's been instructed to keep it a secret. Oh, okay. So maybe and, they're like, and, yeah. And she hasn't revealed herself to him to be right. someone who's aware of it, obviously. Um, right. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, I'll accept that. That that feels, I think, good enough in my mind to move on from it without dwelling in the hole too deeply. Yeah, fair. So yeah, that was my, I think, major beef with this is. The ways that they go about contacting the Dursleys just don't really allow for any sort of return communication or ways to get the things that Harry needs. So I thought I would list the options for magical communication, um, at least the major ones that we see in the books. I didn't include the little ones like the enchanted galleons that Hermione has for the DA or things like that. Just the ones that we kind of see multiple times throughout the series. So we can maybe pro and con each one and then decide which would have been the best to actually deliver Harry his letter. Yes, let's go. So first we've got the muggle post. 
which is the very first way he receives the letter. We don't see it a lot after that. We've got the owl delivery, um, Patronuses. I didn't know what to call this one, so I'm calling it fire talk. But like, oh my god, yes, the flu, but not quite. I love the concept that when people speak through fireplaces, their ass is just like hanging out of their fireplace. Yes, and I definitely <laughs> mention that later about how impractical this method in particular is. <laughs> um, and I said in person, and that can be either via flu, broom, apparition, whatever way you want to get there. Um, but are there any that I'm missing that you can think of before we begin? That is a great question. I Not immediately, because the big one I was thinking of off the bat that's like kind of novel is the Patronus, Patronus way of communicating, which is very novel. And I think only the order does it, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you have, yeah, you about covered it. Cool. Well, let's go in first to the muggle post which is, like I said, the very first letter that's delivered to Harry. Pro is that it's an acceptable muggle form of communication. It definitely wouldn't startle the Dursleys in the way that other methods that we've listed might. (laughs) Right. The cons being that it can be slow as heck, especially in magical terms. But even in muggle terms, sometimes delivering letters does not happen quickly. Yeah, it also, and I'm sure you'll get into this, it lacks any context. Right. Like, outside of that, like, that's all you have. Yes, exactly. Like, there's no, (laughs) I was wondering about this, like, can they deliver letters back to wizards somehow? Which brought me to my question, like, I know that they've said before, I think, that there are wizards or squibs that are kind of ingrained into muggle factions of society. So, like, I bet that there's a squib or a wizard that's working at the UPS or English equivalent. Mm -hmm. But how does that work? Does, like, somebody just address a letter to Dumbledore and the squib puts it in Dumbledore's P.O. box for him to come pick up or once a month or something? I like to think that if someone addresses a level a love, why is my problem? If someone addresses a letter to Dumbledore that if someone's working for the post or if like the ministry's connected to the muggle post, it just kind of gets a transfer to the owl post. Okay. Like they have a secret little stash of owls hidden back there somewhere. And whenever yeah, or like, just like when people send Santa letters, like it's vague, and so they just go in a pile that eventually just gets like trucked over yeah. to <laughs> ministry guest entrance, just all shoved in that phone box. I love that, and it it brings me a lot of oh, I was gonna say joy, but there is a little bit of sadness in there too. To think of little Petunia writing that letter to Dumbledore when oh, she was God. a child, just. Like a Mr. Dumbledore and puts the letter in the mailbox. It's so funny because she's obviously so jealous as a child. And instead of just like getting the fuck over it, she becomes like such a bitch. Oh, yeah. She definitely did not go to therapy. She needed it. Homegirl. For real. Tap your resources. Mm -hmm. Although 
<laughs> you know what? I can also imagine why she wouldn't go to therapy because how do you explain rationally that your sister is a witch and you're mad that you're not also a witch? You just say she got into like some really esteemed school, vaguely. <laughs> and then the therapist is like, it's just an elementary school. Get over yourself. You're like, your, your sister's literally 11 years old. It can't be that good. Right. <laughs> so that's a muggle post. Next one that we see is the owl delivery. So I will kind of brush over this a little more than I was intending because I don't want to spoil <laughs> any of your notes. You you can probably you can you can dive in. Um I will yeah. I will alter accordingly. Cool. Um I was gonna say that to me this is one of the most interesting forms of communication that they have in the wizarding world. Because it's unique, but it's also familiar in the sense that like we in the real world have used carrier pigeons and used carrier pigeons for hundreds of years. So it doesn't feel that foreign, but it still has that air of like mysticism and magic to it. Right, for sure. Because pigeons are pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> Owls are very, very otherworldly and interesting. Yeah. And mysterious. I did do a little bit of research into just the background of owls and magic in general. The main what I got from this was from um, a website called learnreligions.com had an interesting oh. article on the legends and lore of owls. And then um, J.K. Rowling actually wrote an interesting article on owls in the Wizarding World that you can find on wizardingworld.com, formerly, formerly Pottermore. Yeah, that's Hundo P, one of my sources. Yeah, I'm sure it is. It we'll get into that. We'll get into that next yep. episode. <laughs> um, but what I wanted to say about owls was that it does have a historical background, as some cultures believed that owls delivered messages to um, witches or shamans to and from the afterlife. Oh, snap. Yeah. So even further than Surrey to Little Winging. And that that's like hardcore. Yeah, I know. I can't even imagine like having that belief and then seeing an owl. I would be so. Yeah, well, that I don't I'm sure you read this on the page, but I guess there's kind of a superstition in England that when you see owls flying in daytime, it's like a bad omen. Mm -hmm. Um, And J.K. Rowling leveraged that by saying, well, what they're seeing is that a bunch of wizards are like not following the secrecy rules and just sending mail by day. And the muggles will likely feel like a, an after effect of whatever event has people sending yeah. mail by day. Yes. I thought that that was so interesting because it, I like when she's able to tie real world superstitions and kind of give them an explanation. Yeah, that was a very, definitely a very interesting connection. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to make that connection to Carrier Pigeon, which I guess I had never thought before about how carrier pigeons worked oh yeah yeah me with the carrier pigeons they were obviously bred to have a very good sense of direction and of home so what they would do is they would make their nests very homey help the pigeon know like hey this is your spot you always need to return to this spot and then what they would do... That's very wholesome. Yeah. 
<laughs> Make very nice pigeon homes. Yes, very cozy. You're safe mm-hmm. here. <laughs> and then they would carry the pigeon hundreds of miles away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, from there, so like say you were going on a long journey and you were going to want to let your family know when you got there that you arrived safely. You would carry that pigeon with you those hundreds of miles on the original journey and then write your note, tie it to the pigeon and let it go. And it would find its way home. I'm dying to know who was the first person to figure out that that was effective. Like, gotta be an accident. I don't know the exact first person, but I do know that they were used as early as the ancient Persians. Yeah. So there was some Persian dude who moved homes Mm -hmm. and then his pigeon got (laughs) loose and went to his old house. And then he had a yep. light bulb moment. That's or lady. It could have been a Very likely lady. that that is how it happened. So carrier pigeons are much more one way than I had originally thought. But which makes sense. Right. Because they, they used them on the front lines in war mm-hmm. too. Yep. But it, it was really complicated how they had to do it. Because if you needed to send you know pigeons to three or four different points you'd have to carry three or four different pigeons from each of those original points and then release them and they'd all go to their prospective homes so alex and i went to london together a few years ago and i can tell you that neither of us will be carrying a pigeon any length of time or distance. No. Sorry, mom. You'll just have to stick to text or email to find out if I got somewhere safely. Yeah, that they are straight up savages. Yeah. <laughs> like how? We also we were there in the fall, and one time a leaf fell. <laughs> Alex thought it was a bird swooping <laughs> in. Oh on gosh. Her. Um. Which was entirely possible. That's the terrible. Oh, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They are like a plague upon London. A lot of Yeah, that's true. But I I just very vividly remember birds being everywhere, especially in... Which garden was it that we were in? Was it Queen Elizabeth's garden? I think so. Queen Mary's maybe. We were in a garden that was just overrun with ducks. And the ducks were very aggressive. (laughs) Yes. I'm not really, I'm not a a duck or I'm not a bird gal personally, just in the general sense. Um, Was it St. James Park? Uh, That sounds right. Sounds like it could be. Because that's like right outside yeah. Buckingham Palace. Yeah, I think it was St. James Park. Um, but yeah, I'm not a birds person in any sense of the word. So uh, yeah, being swooped on by leaves or otherwise <laughs> was not a great moment. We were also running on zero sleep for like 30 hours at that point in our fairness. Yeah, we... We took a red eye and then just didn't nap and went straight out. Just walked like 16 miles. And then Alex 
And then Alex fell asleep sitting up in <laughs> Shakespeare's Globe. <laughs> it was fascinating. It was just too long of a tour and I was too tired for it. <laughs> it was Loki the best thing ever. <laughs> okay, owls. I think that that's where we were. Owls. Yeah, anyway. Knows. The last thing I wanted to mention about owls is that JK also writes in her article that owls only need a name, not a location, though it can help it make it faster for the owl. Um, And that owls are notoriously hard to evade, which we definitely learn in this chapter. That owls are very stubborn and persistent. And probably real annoyed that you're trying to get away from them. We kind of went over the pros and cons. What are your thoughts on how they did use owl delivery for the letter? I just think, like, the number of days they did it, like, surely you know after you know the letter's failing to get to him over so many Mm -hmm. days that you need to take a different approach. And I guess they do eventually with Hagrid. But, like, instead they just keep sending more. Instead of just, like, having it hand-delivered or, like, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> doing any other tactic. And maybe this is a good time to mention, too, that they clearly know a lot about Harry's life and are tracking him closely somehow. Because how else would McGonagall write the cupboard under the stairs, the smallest bedroom? The second that maybe the letters write themselves. That's a good um, point. With her quill. But... The second I see that the letter that my quill just addressed to a child says covered under the stairs, muggle DPS. Yes, exactly. This will be maybe one of the biggest overarching themes of the series in where are the adults? Where are the adults? (laughs) It's very unclear because then it's like, it just keeps, the letter he gets from Hagrid literally says the floor. (laughs) floor hot on a rock you okay i know like what the hell i wonder too if this is the best time to bring it up because it's not really a communication method but it most assuredly is who put the letters in the eggs the owls didn't totally Hondo P. Hagrid. So, like, with Hagrid there, like, I'm just picturing him standing in the rose bushes, and when the milkman comes up to deliver the eggs, he just does, his little umbrella comes out of the bush, and, like, does a little magic. Okay. That's (laughs) good. I'm glad we can keep it there. That's, and it's only canon if he's also, like, dressed camouflage. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Roses in his hair. (laughs) Yep. Yes, that's, yeah, that's exactly how it happened. As the milkman handed it to Petunia, his umbrella just came up and booped the bottom. For our artistic fans out there, I would love nothing more than to see that illustrated. Jim K, are you listening? Please. Jim K, that would would be the most (laughs) insane illustration. It would be too much. Um, I would cry. Moving on, the Patronus which I am sure we will talk more about later in the series, but we had to give it a mention here because its pros are, A, it's unique to the sender. So 
you can immediately tell who is writing you. But also, it is just cool as heck. It is It is really cool. Um, the only thing I think would be a red flag with that one is that having never seen a Patronus before, having a literal just like silvery wisp fly in and start yes. speaking to you, I would literally think I was being haunted. You know, that was my thought at first, too, that it would be incredibly startling, but the Dursleys wouldn't be able to deny the existence of magic after seeing it. It'd be a very definitive, like, magic is here, it is real, you are a wizard. The one thing that I thought as a con, which wouldn't necessarily be in this case, but just in general as a communication method, is it can reveal too much about yourself if you have a very personal Patronus like Tonks or Snape did. Right. Like, if the Marauders ever found out that Snape's Patronus was a doe, oh, God. (laughs) Seriously. He would have received hell for it. Um, That would be amazing. And also that as far as we know it's not private like the patronus is just going to barge in on whoever a full wedding party for example and say what it's going to say but i did kind of wonder if maybe patronuses seem kind of sentient could you tell your patronus like wait until this person is alone and then deliver it to them i feel like yes you could at least like designate who it gets Mm -hmm. delivered to but i mean like, maybe, for example, the one that gets delivered to the wedding is just, just, like, just go send now. a at that wedding. Yeah. Yeah. And then fire talk, which I think the most prime example is <laughs> Sirius talking to Harry in the Gryffindor common room. I love that one because I just imagine all of the Dursleys, like, losing yeah. their marbles. <laughs> like, that would be so startling and it would be <laughs> just oh especially if it was right during the scene where vernon is nattering on about how there's no post on sundays if instead of the yeah yeah instead of letters <laughs> just a head Amazing. pops up but i think that this this is Perfect. my least favorite method of communication because if you're going to go through the trouble of getting out the flu powder sticking your face in the fire like being on what I assume is your hands and knees on the other side of the fireplace just go through the (laughs) flu yeah for sure in this case like it doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. to just stick your head in I think it's Sirius's case it makes more sense because he's pretty being pretty incognito about the whole thing but um yeah for sure if you're gonna do fire head you just need to do fire body just get it (laughs) over with I also wonder how uncomfortable it is. Yeah, that's a good question. I can't imagine it's too uncomfortable. But then again, when we have narrative of Harry going through the flu network, he's not having the greatest time. So maybe you get I, used to it. I guess you would. I just can't imagine like your head being in one place kind of in your body being in another. Like it just sounds like a good way to split yourself. Oh, yeah. What if the fire goes out on <laughs> one side? Also, maybe I am just making this up. I'm sorry. I really need to go read the other books so that I can reference them more easily. Doesn't Harry, like, give him a piece of toast or something? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so, I believe so. Like, how does that work? Magic, obviously, but yeah, that's a long esophagus yeah. digestion situation. Um, okay, and then the oh, the one thing I did want to say about Fire Talk as a pro is that it's really one of the only two way quick communications that we get. Like, it's as close to talking on the phone as we really see in the wizarding world. That's that's very very like true. you get yeah that immediate answer that's, you're yeah. there with the other person talking i like that as a concept to like borrow sugar <laughs> from your neighbor your hand reaches through the fire with a sugar pot yeah you're like oh sure no problem It'll just save you a lot yeah. of time you wouldn't have to go to the store and then the last method would be in person yes Hondo P. What no debate happened. about it should have been the best way to talk to Harry and ultimately was they just decided to fuck around for a while before they sent Hagrid. It also though like shouldn't have gone down like that. No. Um, because it, like you, you, they should have assumed the worst. They should have assumed he didn't know anything. Right. And shouldn't have been at midnight. That's just plain rude. Um <laughs> And they, there just should have been much more of a plan in place than having a literal half giant yeah. break down a door at midnight. It's like terrifying. I completely agree with all of that. That it was just the most dramatic way that it could have happened. It was very like, feels like a very Potter musicals version of Dumbledore was making those decisions. How much flair <laughs> and suspense and drama can I add to young Harry's life? Now I have a great visual of <laughs> that Dumbledore. Hmm. Hagrid, you must wait time. until Harry's birthday. Well, well, how about how about I go the evening before Harry's birthday? No, at midnight on the dot, you may enter Harry's house. <laughs> yeah, he's very celebratory um so those are the main ways of magical communication and sounds like we both agree that in person would have been and should have been the best method um do you have any thoughts on what would have been the worst way to get in touch with harry well quickly i have one addition that could have been okay made to the way it. they did it in the book that would have solved a lot of problems. So, there's a specific type of male in the wizarding world that gets very upset mm-hmm. when it's not open. And if it is open, which the letter is, by not by Harry, but it is opened, yes. you can't shut it up. So, what should have happened, maybe not day one, maybe you give just a plain old letter the first day. Should have happened day two. They immediately all become howlers. Idea, because I mean, we know too that the Dursleys are capable of receiving howlers. They get a couple of different ones, or Harry gets them when he's at the Dursleys' house by both by the Ministry, Mm -hmm. and then there's the letter that Dumbledore sends Petunia. Yeah, I'm I 100% because Hagrid says we. I knew you weren't getting your letters. Easy solved. Yes, that is a great point. I love thinking about all the letters coming through the fireplace like they do in the TV or in the ooh, the TV show. What? The movie. I think it's just because I watch it on TV all the time. One day. 
the fireplace scene except like dozens of howlers come out and all start talking at the same time and like surround <laughs> sound that would be a <laughs> terrifying and, and maybe that's why awesome. they didn't do some of the things they did they didn't want to scare harry away from magic yeah that would be well i guess the howler takes on the whatever voice at least in the movies and i assume based off of how it's written in the book right it sounds like the person who wrote it although that might just be how i imagine it hedwig's theme is playing in a howler like what howler's <laughs> just hedwig's theme. just a little background music there yeah, yeah. music howler it's like those cards mm-hmm. you used to get where they open well all right yeah, yeah guys that was go ahead oh wait do you oh do you have my the worst, worst? I think that the worst, even though I think it would have been cool, probably would have been the Patronus. I think it would have just been too far out there and would have, yeah. Yeah. I straight up, I straight yes. up would be thinking I was it's, about to be it's obsessed It's not so much magical as ghostly if you don't know better. And do we know yeah, what McGonagall's Patronus is? Is it a cat? It's got to be a cat it's, that looks yeah, like her, which makes me kind of mad that Umbridge and McGonagall have the same Patronus, but mm, topic for another time. It's like asshole cat yes. versus like... But yeah, just cat. this little specter cat coming in and like talking to you. <laughs> in Speaking a, English. In a thick Scottish accent. Oh my goodness. Um, would you agree that Patronus is, would probably have yeah. been the worst way, or do you have other thoughts? Oh, I, okay. I straight up think fire talk. <laughs> Just especially if yes. it didn't come with fire body, um, which is now the canon way of saying that. Um, because if a head just pops into your fireplace, like probably similarly scary to Patronus's, but just like, yeah, horrifying. Like, For sure. So creepy. Straight up hellscape. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. I would love to hear what you guys thought of our discussion. Give us your worst and best ways that Harry should have been told he was a wizard. Um, You can let us know in your reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Anchor, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can tell us on Instagram. You can tell us on Twitter. I'm contemplating a TikTok. Yeah, let us know. Hit us up. Yeah, let us know. It would probably just be like shots of me watching the movies and getting on tangents I, I would watch that. while doing research. But hey, <laughs> I mean, what's wrong with that? You know? All right. All right. Well, we hope you keep listening with us and yes. we hope you keep learning. See you with later. Us.